Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, and I'm alone in the studio today. And don't feel bad for me. I've got all of you listening. And I'm going to talk about designing great employee experiences and the importance of doing so for delivering great customer experiences. And I think this is a topic that whenever I talk to clients of ours, um, talk to companies in research interviews, inherently everybody gets that there's a connection between the employee experience and the customer experience. It goes way back 30 years or so to the service profit chain idea, happy employees, make happy customers, make happy shareholders through profits. But we are coming now to a period where we have an even more robust and nuanced understanding of the connection between those different groups. Um, And there is no longer any excuse for ignoring uh, employees uh, because Number one, we're able to see how much of an impact bad employee experience has on the business. Uh, Gallup, for example, has estimated that disengaged employees lead to at least $450 billion, with a B, dollars of lost productivity each year in the U.S. alone. That's a lot of money. That's just in one country. Um, and we see the rise of the um, uh, workforce switching over to millennials, Um, They're now the largest generational cohort in the workforce. By the end of this decade, they will be a majority of all workers uh, in companies. And millennials consistently, in survey after survey, show that they want more from their employers. They want their work to have meaning, to have purpose. They want more of a balance between their work and personal lives, in part because they so often are taking work on the go with them, on their phones, They're working at night, so they want to be able to run an errand during the day. They want to be able to uh, enjoy the place that they go and work and not have it be soul-crushing. And um, we also see that in this age of social media, in this age of viral video, in this age of Glassdoor, that companies who do not have good employee experiences risk naming and shaming. Think back to 2015 when Amazon was uh, and their workplace culture um, with some serious issues, uh, as highlighted by a New York Times article, um, they had a long back and forth. It was not good for the stock price. It was not good for the company for a while, um, highlighting their uh, bad workplace culture. Uh, Think back to uh, what happened with Wells Fargo last year in 2016 um, when the uh, really bad sales incentives came to light and the, the underhanded things they'd done to customers and that um, managers and executives had done to employees that ultimately led to their CEO having to resign. Um, those things can happen now. Uh, you more recently think of the United video exposing um, what's happening with some of the rules and training uh, in their workplace. And you cannot hide behind the anonymity of employer to employee contracts. You cannot hide behind the fact that you're assuming employees may be a little reticent to share. This information is going to get out there. And despite that, despite the fact that there's so much money lost here, there's so much risk of a big scandal erupting, um, we see that companies still create workspaces that do not help employees concentrate or collaborate. There was a recent um, uh, study published in Harvard Business Review uh, I think it was published by or was sponsored by Steelcase, the furniture manufacturer, uh, that said um, employees complained that they couldn't get their own work done and they couldn't get work done with their colleagues uh, at in workplace settings. So they can't do uh, concentration work and they can't do collaboration work. That's basically all of their work. 
Um, and then they, we, we also see that uh, companies are still locked into the old model of performance evaluation. Think about this. 90% of firms are still using sort of the annual review cycle where they're getting qualitative feedback far after a interaction or project is completed, sharing it with employees months later, and then hoping that in the subsequent year the um, performance will change, and that's just not likely to, uh, to work. And then finally, um, we see that companies aren't getting enough feedback from employees, from their managers, from their peers about their performance, about their, um, how they're feeling in the workplace each day, whether they have the support they need. Uh, because most of the time, those uh, senses, the, the, the feedback that they're getting from employees is coming in the annual or every two-year employee engagement survey. And then companies are making big action plans, doing follow-ups months later. And again, the feedback to action cycle just isn't fast enough for it to feel meaningful, for it to feel to employees like their feedback matters. So what can companies do? And what can our audience here, this is Forrester's CXCast, what can you do to uh, really move along your organizations to focus on creating better employee experiences? Uh, Two things. And two things that that are particular to this audience. One, uh, take your design and research, your customer research skills, and apply them to the employee experience. Tools like journey mapping used for employees, tools like observational research, tools like a robust design practice or methodology, really valuable for creating better employee experiences. And then two, um, be humble as an organization about what you can know about the optimal way for employees in different jobs uh, and in different parts of your business to complete their work. And by being humble, you will inevitably notice that employees are making small deviations from your prescribed way of doing things every day. And that some of those deviations that they make are adaptive, just like in a natural ecosystem. They are figuring out uh, sometimes, many times they're stumbling into these uh, better ways, but sometimes it's a, it's a more conscious process by employees, and they are figuring out better ways to deliver um, the processes, the tasks that they own. And that's leading to better customer experiences and better business outcomes. And so you want to be on the lookout for those emergent behaviors and identify them and help nurture them, help scale them by bringing them to other parts of the business, and help even just raise the consciousness among the employees who you, you observe uh, executing them because oftentimes they're doing it without uh, that sort of conscious knowledge that, that that it is a better way. And this is what we see companies doing. Uh, they're designing work environments that help employees concentrate and collaborate in part by applying those research and observation and design skills. They're looking at, okay, well, where in our environment do we see employees getting work done? Let's build on those examples. Let's see what kind of workplace settings actually foster more work, actually encourage people to come in rather than doing what Yahoo did a few years ago uh, and asking, uh, not asking, I should say, uh, demanding that everyone stop working from home and come into the office, uh, a company like Adobe, in a different sort of context here, different way of thinking about it, said, well, what, are, what would the re- be the reasons that employees would want to come in to our offices and get work done? And let's design workplaces around that. Let's design workplaces where employees feel like they can concentrate when they need to on individual tasks. Let's create a workplace where they feel like they do have team space to collaborate with peers, where they feel like they can come in and get a lot of work done 
in a collaborative environment, but also let's leave our offices uh, and the different spaces in them and between teams just open enough so that uh, colleagues who are not in the habit of working together every day because they're in different uh, divisions or different teams, that they can see what those other groups are doing. And so they can start to form those uh, impromptu connections that are so powerful for innovation where you're combining two adjacent ideas together into uh, a new, better, more fully formed idea. And that's how Adobe has been redesigning its office spaces the last few years. Um, Also, we see that companies are doing more and more to try and help employees avoid digital distraction, something that as new channels and new tools proliferate, um, you think about uh, first email, then IM, Yammer, Chatter, um, then Twitter, now Slack. You have all these different ways that you're expected to keep up in communication. Um, what they do is they enable just about anyone anywhere that you might be working with to pull you away from whatever you are actually supposed to be doing in that time period. We see companies creating new work rules around that and limiting the times that people are expected to check email, limiting the times that emails are actually delivered to employees' inboxes to prevent that kind of overload, uh, making it really easy for employees to set uh, do not disturb on certain tools so that they can get their work done. Um, and then the second big thing we see companies doing with their applying with their design skills is creating performance evaluations that are much more forward-looking and focused on coaching. I think this idea from the military um, that was popularized in a book by General Stanley McChrystal um, that it's called the humble gardener really encapsulates what you want to go for here. Um, and the book is called team of teams. And I, I really encourage listeners to, to check it out and to read it. Or since you're a listener of this podcast, maybe listen to the audio version of it. Um, and in that book, the concept is one of leaders in the military and picture your most stereotypical military leader. I'm conjuring to mind general Patton here, right? Um, authoritative, uh, strong-willed, dictating how things are going to get down, go down and expecting that everyone in the sound of my voice will do as I say. They're moving from that command and control model to one where leaders are asked to embrace this humble gardener mindset. What do they mean by that? They mean that you, like a gardener, try to create the conditions where growth among your people, among the gardener's plants is more likely, but you realize that you cannot control that directly. You don't control whether it's going to be raining or sunny, or if you're going to have an infestation of some kind. And likewise, in the military especially, you can't control what the enemy's going to do in response to you. You And in a corporate setting, you can't control what your competitors are going to do. You can't control for the fickleness of customers. You only have so much authority to dictate what happens. And you need to embrace that and be humble about how much you can control and focus on making peak performance among employees more likely rather than telling employees how to perform. So you want to create conditions. You want to provide coaching and support and data and feedback to employees. But realize that you can only do so much to make sure that they're going to be really productive. And what's encouraging to me is I'm seeing a lot of companies take this up. Uh, In fact, someone like Comcast, who uh, I think we'll all uh, agree, and Comcast will be first to say this, has a long way to go in improving its customer experience. They've got this manager training program now that they call Supervisor to Coach. And they're really trying to get um, their managers to drop the supervisor mindset, move more to that coach mindset. It's not, I tell you what to do and then you do it. It's, um, I 
listen to you. I observe you. I uh, walk through scenarios with you, employee. And they now have a goal for their managers that they're supposed to be coaching a certain number of hours a day um, rather than trying to walk around and tell people what to do. Once you've sort of programmed these really good employee experiences, and we've got more examples of this in the, in the research report that we'll post to in the show notes here, the next thing to do, and building on that theme of humility, is start to look for instances where employees make modifications, make those adaptations I talked about earlier that improve on your experience, either the employee experience or the customer experience that they're delivering. And you're looking for things like, for example, um, we saw at uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, they found that call center reps who were spending longer on the phone in their collections call center were getting better outcomes with customers because they had figured out on their own to ask more questions, to ignore their average handle time metric and get customers into a better, more realistic repayment plan uh, if they were behind on a loan. And this is a great example of an emergent behavior because those reps weren't trained to do that. They weren't coached to do that. They, they weren't given a script to ask that many questions. They figured out from their calls that this was actually a better uh, interaction for the customer. And they ignored the fact that they were getting bad performance reviews on their average handle time metric and took the extra time to do it. And, oh, by the way, for the bank, it was worth millions and millions of pounds of incremental revenue because they were getting higher repayment rates. Look for those types of examples. Uh, Look for examples of uh, employees creating entirely new interactions where they're delivering more value to customers. Um, And look for uh, examples of where they make small tweaks or improvements on an existing interaction uh, to make it smoother, to make it uh, more in line with what customers' expectations are. But if you take these ideas um, and you can see sort of the echoes of what companies are doing uh, from observational research, uh, from evaluating interactions from test and learn and iteration uh, that come out of a lot of customer um, customer experience disciplines and, and design disciplines, those same techniques are, are really powerful with employees and, uh, frankly, sometimes easier to apply just from the standpoint of you have a captive audience, right? You have an um, ability to collect more data. You have an ability to spend more time side-by-side doing the coaching, sharing the feedback, sharing the data that you've collected. And so, uh, real power, real efficacy of applying these methods with employees if you if you will do it. Um, so those ideas highlighted in this report called um, Harness the Power of Emergent Behavior to Design Great Employee Experiences that's live on the site and linked in the show notes here. Um, more examples about how companies have applied this. Uh, you'll probably notice a long reading list of books uh, that sort of are relevant here, um, books like The Progress Principle by Teresa Amabile, Deep Work by Cal Newport, Team of Teams, which I mentioned by uh, General Stanley McChrystal, and um, Laszlo Bach, the former uh, head of people for Google, uh, referenced his great book called Work Rules! Exclamation point in there with lots of deep, rich detail on, uh, on Google's uh, management of people. So um, start with this report and then jump off to a lot of uh, deeper reading as we're coming up on summer reading season, uh, some of these really interesting business books. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week when we'll have a a guest joining me in studio or on the phone. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.